Welcome to the weekend edition of The Daily Writer. Each weekday, we bring you a short lesson that helps you live out the four practices of a great writer. Creativity, consistency, courage, and connection. Here on The Weekend Edition, we take a deeper dive into those topics through conversations with writers and teaching that helps us apply what we're learning. For more, you can visit us at dailywriterlife.com. Well, hey, friends, today I'm thrilled to dive into a topic that is often ignored among writers, but it's critical to get right if you want to be successful, and particularly if you want to be successful at selling more books. My guest is Terry Whalen, a former literary agent and acquisitions editor at Morgan James Publishing. He's written more than 60 books for traditional publishers, and several of his books have sold over 100,000 copies. And if you're not familiar with book sales, numbers, and that sort of stuff, that's a lot of books. Terry has also written for more than 50 magazines. He's written two proposals that received six-figure advances from publishers. As a frustrated editor in 2004, Terry wrote Book Proposals That Sell, 21 Secrets to Speed Your Success, which has over 130 five-star reviews on Amazon and has helped a lot of authors. And now the revised edition of that book just came out, and we're going to talk about that here on this episode. Terry's also authored an innovative training for writers called Write a Book Proposal, and he's an active member of the American Society of Journalists and Authors, and he lives near Denver, Colorado. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about book proposals today. And in this conversation, Terry answers all of your burning questions about that topic, including what is a book proposal and why is it important? What does an acquisitions editor do within a publishing company? And why do self-published authors need a proposal? As well as six or seven other questions, which I didn't have time to list off right here. But this is a great conversation and this is an important topic. Now, one thing that that I want to mention is... If you are an independently published author, meaning you self-publish, it may be easy for you to think, I don't need to worry about book proposals because only people who want a traditional publishing arrangement need a book proposal. But trust me, you do, because going through the book proposal process really helps you to fine-tune who is your audience, what's your marketing plan, and all those kinds of things that are so critical for your book's success. So even if you don't plan on using a publisher, make sure and check out this interview. It's really, really great. Terry shares a lot of great tips. By the way, before we get into the interview, I want to mention, make sure to download Terry's free book proposal checklist at bookproposalsthatsell.com. All right, let's get to the conversation with Terry Whalen. Terry, welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast. It is a pleasure and an honor and a privilege to have you here. So thanks for making time to do this uh, interview. Wow, Kent, I always love to uh, talk about books, any chance that I get. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, you are the ideal person to talk about book proposals because not only do you have lots of experience over the years in the publishing and writing industry, you literally wrote the book on book proposals. I mean, like literally, literally. So, <laughs> so you are indeed the expert here. So uh, let me start out with this question. I want to jump into what a book proposal is in just a minute. But before I do that, Can you talk for a second about what is the first step that most people take to write a book and why is that actually backwards? Yeah, most people um, sit down with their computer or a typewriter or a lot of people even use pen and paper anymore from what I hear from a lot of my writer friends and uh, just start writing to write their book. And the, the problem with that is that you you really just do it kind of 
haphazard. You don't really have a plan as far as where you're going with that and who your audience is and why you're doing it and how you're going to market the book and just all those kinds of business questions that, that really are built into a book proposal. And so that's why people do it, do it backwards. They, they write their book and then they turn around, and look to see how they're going to get it published and what they're going to do with it. And that's kind of a, kind of a backwards approach, honestly. Yeah, it is. I mean, not, not for fiction particularly, because I mean, for fiction, you have to write the whole story and have a, have a really great manuscript and have a beginning, middle and end and all that kind of thing that really holds, holds people's attention. But you still need a plan, even if you write fiction. <laughs> how do you how do you talk with authors when when they give you pushback on these kinds of businessy types of things related to the book? Because a lot of people think of a book as I just want to creatively express myself. I want to write this book to share a story, or I feel uh, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, God's calling me to write a book. And if they give you pushback on these kinds of businessy type of things, how do you address that with them? Well, a lot of people don't realize, um, Kent, that there are over 4,500 new books that come out every day. Isn't that insane? And uh, it, it is insane. And, and you know, my friend Penny Sansevieri, uh, who's a uh, book marketing expert in, in San Diego, I, I was sitting at a workshop in San Francisco where she said that. Now, I didn't call her out at the workshop, but I, I went up to her afterwards. I said, man. Penny, 4,500 books a day, new books a day. That's that's a lot of books. Where'd you get that number? And it turns out she got that from uh, books in print. So it would include the self-published, the traditional books, everything okay. out there. But it's still a huge volume of stuff that's going out into the market wow. every day. So writers have to have a plan. I mean, sure, self-publishing is big, you know, 1.6 million books were self-published last year. But what people don't realize is that on average, those self-published books sell somewhere between 100 and 200 copies during yeah. the lifetime yeah. of the book. So, you know, that's that's not too many books. It's a little discouraging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then when you, if you really want to get granular about it, when you start dividing the time that you actually spend creating the book versus the money that you make on the book, it's, you know, you're making probably like two cents an hour or something, if you want to look at it from that standpoint. So it pays to have a plan for sure. It does. It does. And uh, that would be true, whether you're going to self-publish or whether you're going to go to a traditional house or what, whatever you're going to do here. Well, let's dive into the topic of book proposals. For those who are not familiar with this concept of a proposal, what is a book, a book proposal and why is it so important? Well, it's, it's really important because uh, literary agents and publishers look at that proposal to decide if uh, they're going to offer you a book contract or not. And if, if you're going to contract with an agent who's going to turn and shop it to, to publishers or whether you're going to get a publishing contract from a, from a publisher. So it's, it's the business document that contains all kinds of information hmm which never appears in your manuscript. So um, a book proposal needs to, needs to tell us who, who's the audience, who's going to buy this. Uh, it's not everybody, but uh, there's a specific audience that's going to buy your book. 
and maybe a, a first, second, and third audience that are gonna gonna buy your book. And and it helps it helps publishers make make those kinds of decisions about which which books to publish and which which to not. So if someone is going to self-publish a book, should they still put together a book proposal, even though they're not submitting it to a publisher or an agent, is there still value in them going through that process, even when they're self-publishing? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, even if you're going to self-publish, you still need to uh, identify your market, uh, have a plan, have a realistic marketing plan, which is all part of your proposal. You need to understand your competition. Um, the line that a lot of authors use is that my my book is unique. There is no competition. Right. Well, right. That's not true. Every every book is going to compete in the marketplace. And so if you use that line that my book is unique, there's no competition, you know, the agent or the editor is going to just kind of roll their eyes. <laughs> right. They know that that's not true out there. And so you you really haven't done your work. Uh, as Even if you're, you're self-published, you're going to compete with something. So you need to know what that competition is. So whenever you put together a proposal, and I know we could do, gosh, a whole series of podcasts on all the nuances of what goes in a proposal and so forth. Um, and you cover all that in your book, which obviously we're going to point people to that as well. The first person that that is going to go to after it goes to an agent is, is probably the acquisitions editor out of publisher. Is that correct? Yeah. Those, those are usually the, the people that are, are going to see it first. Okay. And what is an acquisitions editor and what is their role within the book publishing company? Yeah, it varies a little differently from publisher to publisher, but uh, I've worked at three different, different publishers as an acquisitions editor. So generally an acquisitions editor is a um, a hunter and a scout. So you're okay. uh, looking for the uh, the books that that publishing house is going to publish. So you're uh, you're contacting agents and authors and uh, sifting through, seeing if it's a it's going to be a good fit because you understand what the publisher is is looking for. So you're you're looking for those things, and then you have to pitch pitch that book internally to see if uh, your colleagues are going to agree with you to that. Indeed, they should publish this book. Okay. And uh, it was real eye-opening for me, um, Kent, years ago. I, I'd written over 50 books, and then I became an acquisitions editor inside a publishing house. And I had never, I had never seen this process internally about how publishers make make decisions about which books they're going to publish and which books they're going to reject. And it was real eye-opening to me to have to, uh, and a bit intimidating sometimes to go into a room full of jaded publishing executives and try to pitch your little book uh, to them to get a, get a contract from an author. Cause the one person that's not in the room when all that happens is the author. Hmm. <laughs> your only way of getting in that room is through your pitch or through your proposal or telling something to that editor that's going to go in and represent you. And those meetings can really be brutal. I mean, I remember the uh, chief operating officer of uh, the pub first publisher that I was working with, there'd be a whole room full of, full of people in this room and with their little books and their tabs for different books we were going to pitch and everything. And 
uh, when I'd get to some books, he would look up and he'd say, uh, we could sell two of those books, Terry, one to you and one to me and one to somebody else. Wow. And, uh, and you talk about a deal killer. I mean, that was just gonna, nobody wanted to publish two books. I mean, we're looking, <laughs> we're looking to publish thousands of books. With yes. These books. And so uh, that was a total wipe for that book. It, it was like, well, okay, everybody, let's flip the tab. We're going on to the next book. <laughs> You know, that's all that book got when that, whenever that happened. Then what is it exactly that, that acquisitions editors are are looking for? Are they lo- basically looking for something they can sell to their, would it be the publication board or whatever decision-making group that that is at that company? They're looking for something that is really going to sell itself in a way because it's so compelling. They've done their market research. It's written well. It's enticing and all those kinds of things. Is that really what an acquisitions editor is looking for? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of, uh, of understanding what that publisher publishes for one thing. And so the, every publisher has their own niche and own types of books that they publish, but also understanding the, the value that that author is gonna bring to the, to the table uh, through their audience or their, their people that love them and their tribe type thing, hmm. but also understanding the importance of of the book and the way that book is going to get out there and do some, do some good in the world. So it's, it's kind of a combination of understanding all that. And, uh, you know, like my wife, my wife usually says to me, you know, uh, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. Mm, that's and so true. So, and so basically with your proposal, you're really trying to put your, your best, foot forward so that you can hook that person and hook everybody else into it. I mean, sometimes I pitched a title, you know, and everybody goes, oh, that's a good one. Let's do that. And that's that's all we needed to do, you know, <laughs> for that book. Uh, other times it's, it's a, a forward by somebody or some endorsements that, that's with it. I mean, authors just don't put a lot of it, enough energy and effort into this this plan that they're making to to hook the people and so i wrote uh book proposals that sell originally in 2004 just as a frustrated editor because it's like how can i get better submissions you know from yeah. Writers? yeah how can i help writers actually get book contracts from agents and publishers and that's that's why i put this together in the first place what are the parts of proposals that tend to be, uh, how should I phrase this? What are the parts of a book proposal that authors tend to mess up the worst? Would it be things like the competition in the marketplace? Would it be things like the marketing plan? Would it be uh, the writing itself? Like, What are some of the biggest areas that authors really need to pay attention to with the book proposal to make sure it's super good? Yeah. You know, the, the competition is a, is a big area. Like uh, when I worked at Howard Books, which was a part of Simon & Schuster, we couldn't even fill out our internal documents, for example, if we didn't have the, the competitive titles. Hmm. So those have to be those have to be in there. Um, a lot of authors don't put much work into the title of the book. They figure, oh, the publisher is going to come up with the title. Well, 
you know, don't delegate that to the publisher because what I've found through the years is if I come up with a really good title and I pitch that title or some alternative titles, that title is going to be the title of the book. Hmm. So don't don't just say come forthcoming or whatever that people put on there that's that's generic. Come up with a really good catchy title and check it out. Uh, make sure that that it's going to work. And the writing is really going to be the key to the storytelling. Uh, I mean, I remember a lot of my members of my publication board would often uh, skip all the front part of the proposal and go back to the writing and look at that first to see if, if it really grabbed their attention, if, if they thought it was a book we should publish. So it, it's a combination of all those things. And the, and the marketing plan, the personal marketing plan has to be appropriate as well. Um, you know, I, I mean, I talk to authors all the time and I talk, I call, talk to one author. I ask him what kind of ideas he had for marketing. He said, you know, he said, I have a really cute granddaughter. I think we ought to do television commercials. And, you know, it was all I could do to not laugh at this guy on the phone because, uh, just think about it. I mean, how many television commercials do you see about books out there now? Uh, yeah, very few. I mean, James Patterson can do it, but he's a billionaire, folks, you know, so he can they can definitely put James Patterson on and have commercials. But for the rest of us, we're not going to be doing TV commercials. That's just not, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not in the realm of possibility out there. So so come up with realistic marketing ideas that you can actually achieve. So so, for example, um, you know, postcards are cheap, for example. <laughs> so so. If you told a publisher that if, if they printed X amount of postcards, let's say several thousand postcards, then you would actually put stamps on those postcards and mail those postcards away, or you would go buy bookstores and they could use them as bag stuffers. I mean, those are, those are practical ideas that when people read that, you go, yeah, the author's really going to do something here. We're going to yeah. do something. The author's going to do something. We can sell books here doing that. I think that that's really fascinating because a lot of authors, particularly when they want to go through a traditional publisher, I think they believe much of the time that the publisher is going to come up with a great title. The publisher is going to do pretty much all the marketing that their job is, is basically to deliver a good solid book to the publisher and the publisher is going to take the ball all the rest of the way down the field for, you know, for uh, a touchdown when is, is it actually the case where the author has to really make it easy for the publisher to say yes. So when you think through all those things, like a great title, a great marketing plan, your willingness to put your boots on the ground and do a, do a lot of marketing work. Does that make it easier for the publisher to then say yes, because they realize the author is committed. They're serious. They, they are aligned with the publisher in terms of really helping this book succeed. Yeah, it does, Kent. And, you know, my, my personal revelation about this uh, came uh, when I was years ago when I was a literary agent. I had a little literary agency and I got invited to uh, Mark Victor Hansen was putting on this event out in Los Angeles uh, called Mega Book Marketing University, you know, the co-author for the Chicken Soup for the mm -hmm. Soul books. And so I. Uh, I was I went out there as an agent. I took pitches from authors. There were like 400 people at this event, and we had our old notebooks and we were listening to speakers and everything. 
And it was during that event that I kind of woke up. You know, at that point in my life, I'd written about 50 books for traditional publishers. I've, I've written two proposals that got six-figure advances, for example. Uh, I, my books were beautiful. They were in bookstores. But I was receiving negative royalty statements. Hmm. In other words, my books never earned back their advance. That's something that a lot of a lot of people never talk about, but uh, I would say 90% of nonfiction books never earn back their wow. value, which is, which shows really that, you know, it's just a few people in the, <laughs> a few bestsellers in each publishing house that are really carrying the, uh, carrying the load for the, for okay. Those. Okay. So it, it showed me as an author, I, was, I wasn't doing anything back then to really promote my book. I mean, I had a uh, terrywhalen.com website, but uh, social media didn't exist back then. I didn't have a newsletter. I didn't have a blog. I didn't have any way of really reaching my readers out there. And Jack Canfield was one of the speakers at this, uh, at this meeting. And Jack has written this book called The Success Principles. And mm -hmm. Great book. Uh, if you read that book, uh, the very first success principle is that I will take 100% responsibility for my own success. Now, none of us want to take 100% responsibility. We'd love for our publisher or our agent or our publicist or somebody other than us <laughs> to take that responsibility. But I made a decision back then that I was going to do whatever I could to, to promote my books. And so I've taken that stance here since 2007. And so I do have a blog and I have a newsletter and I give away stuff on my website and just all kinds of things that I'm doing to try to engage people and engage my, engage my readers. And that, that makes me a different kind of author than the typical author that's out there. Yeah, that marketing component seems to be the critical thing between a book success and a, and a book that's not successful because you can, you can have a great book, but if nobody reads it, then it's not, it's probably not worth much. It's like that old thing. If a tree falls in the forest, does it actually make a noise if nobody's there to hear it? And I always think if, if you write a great book, but nobody reads it, does it matter if the book exists or not? So that marketing component really can be, um, it's such an important facet of this. What is the mindset shift that that you think authors need to make in order to write a great book proposal? And I guess what I'm asking is, in your experience, what is the difference between authors who succeed at this and authors who don't succeed at this? Is it writing ability? Is it is it marketing ability? Is it self confidence? What is what is really the game changing mindset shift that authors need to have with all this whole process? Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of things. I mean, I I do think it's a it's a it's a mindset and a and a shift that they, that they have to make, but they also have to have the writing ability. So, um, and you know, I I always encourage people to write for magazines because mm. um, I've I've done a lot of print magazine work over over the years, and they're shorter than books, and you can reach a lot more people with them than books and you can learn a lot about your craft and how to how to write a good good piece just writing short articles for magazines so i always encourage people to do that that kind of thing in this process but yeah it's it's a combination of all those things that that have to work for that 
book to, to get out there and, and really succeed in the marketplace. So I, I usually say that, you know, publishing is, is being in the right place at the right time with the right person, with the right stuff. And uh, I understand Ooh, that's good. lots of rights have to line up for that. That's to true. But we have to be out there as, as authors. And if we're not pitching our stuff, then nobody's going to catch it and nobody's going to pick it up and use it. Yeah, there's a really clear sense <laughs> where you, you have to not just create good and helpful stuff, but you have to believe in it enough to actually market it. And I think a lot of authors really recoil at that idea of promoting themselves because they don't want to be that guy or that girl who's always on social media or always sending out email stuff, constantly promoting their own stuff and being kind of pushy about it. But there is that sense in which if you believe in your message, you should want to get the word out, shouldn't you? I mean, you if you believe you have something helpful for people, shouldn't you want to promote that because you believe that you're improving people's lives? Yeah, you should. And really, uh, I would you know, sort of flip it. People need to really emphasize not themselves in this process, but yeah. really yeah. the benefits that that person is going to gain by reading your stuff. So then you're not really promoting yourself. You're promoting the benefits for your readers in that, in that process. Right. So right. That's, that's one of the keys out there, I think, to, to making it, making it work. And it doesn't matter whether you, however you publish that you still need, still need that process. I mean, I mean, back to, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield, I mean, they got rejected over 140 times, you know, for chicken wow. soup before they finally found a little publisher in Florida that was going to publish their book. And they told their publisher that they were going to sell a million books in the first year. And the publisher laughed at them. They'd never sold a million copies of anything at that point. They just thought that was ridiculous. Uh, it took them a year and a half to do that. But they got up every day. And they decided they were going to follow the rule, what they call the rule of five. They were going to do five things every day hmm. to promote their book. They were going to appear on a television show or a radio show or write a magazine article or a guest blog post or a podcast or uh, do social media or whatever they were going to do. But they were going to do something consistently over and over until it caught fire out there and yeah, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul now is one of the best-selling series in the English language. Yeah. Do you know how many books are in that series by any chance? And I don't, I don't have any clue, but it's it's got to be well over a hundred, isn't it? I would oh, assume. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're they're well over a hundred. They've, um, you know, the brand still keeps going. There, I still keep seeing. Um, you know, they're still making new editions, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. We went to a. Um, so here where I live outside of St. Louis every year, our library district has a huge book sale. I mean, just hundreds of thousands of books they're wanting to kind of clean out of the library system. And every year I go and in the, the I guess it's the inspirational section or whatever it is, I always see all these chicken soup for the soul books, you know, because, and there's so many of them. And I remember looking at those, this has just been a couple months ago and thinking, I'm just blown away at the empire that these guys have built with this one simple idea, but then expanding it into all these, these different areas. And for these very specific audiences, it's just the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. And the books are really good and they don't have to write them. It's all, you know, readers submitted, I guess, 
which is genius. If you can get other people to write the content for you and then do a whole series, that's pretty smart, smart yeah, business but, thinking. But they, but they totally got rejected. You know, short stories don't sell. Right, other, right. Other people don't sell. I mean, they heard, they heard all that and they just kept going until they finally found somebody that would, would publish it and get it out there for them. Wow. I, I love the, the, uh, the attitude of that, that we're just going to do it until it works. We're not going to quit. We're not going to stop. And so many writers, we just, we just have this tendency sometimes to quit before, before we really find success with something. Yeah. It happens over and over where, you know, you send it out a couple of times and you get rejected and I say, well, I guess nobody wanted this. Well, these guys didn't do it a couple of times. They did it over 140 times. I know so, it's insane. It's, wow. it's a real commitment that, but whenever they got rejected, uh, they would use the word next to each other. And that's what they would say, because, which is a hopeful word, you know, it's like, well, this one didn't work. Where's the next one? You know? Right. So, right. So that's what people have to do is they have to believe in their stuff enough that they keep at it and keep marketing it because you as the author are the one that's the most passionate about your material. So yep. If you give up and you stop marketing or telling people about your stuff, uh, no wonder it's not going to sell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Terry, this has been an absolute blast. I I love this conversation because I've never had anybody, on, I don't think on the podcast, talking specifically about book proposals. And this is such a critical element of success, whether we're self-publishing or going the traditional route or, or somewhere in between. Where can people find find out more about you, your writing, your books, and particularly your your brand new book, How to Write Book Proposals That Sell? Uh, yeah, I um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, people uh, say that I'm one of the most uh, accessible people in publishing because I have my email address right in my Twitter profile, and I have uh, over 190 thousand followers on on Twitter. That's so amazing. That's a, that's a good way to get a hold of me. But I, um, for the, they can always go to terrywhalen.com, T-E-R-R-Y-W-H-A-L-I-N.com. Or they could uh, look at my blog, uh, uh, The Writing Life, uh, that, that's out there. I have over 1,500 entries in my blog that are, that are searchable. So there's a, there's a lot of material that I have out there. Uh, book proposals that sell is, is the way that they can get get this book, bookproposalsthatsell.com. And uh, you'll, you'll see when you go over there that I have not just, uh, not just Amazon. I mean, sure, they can buy the book on Amazon, but they can buy it uh, at their independent bookstore at barnesandnobles.com or Books A Million, or they can get it directly from me, any, any number of ways that they can, they can buy the book. But if they go to bookproposalsthatsell.com, uh, there'll be a little pop-up box that's that's there where they can get a free book proposal checklist from me. Hmm. And um, sure, you get on my email list if you do that, but that's what we do to, to it is our, it is our audience. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate that. And I just realized a minute ago, I misspoke the title of your book. I said, how to write book proposals that sell. That's actually the title of this podcast episode. Uh, when it airs, but yeah, the title of the book is book proposals that sell. I love the cover by the way, with a dollar sign there. That's, that's really cool. So kudos to your, your uh, book cover designer. They did a great job. 
Yeah, thank you. That's uh, that's what they did with the uh, first edition of my book. This is the uh, revised edition, and uh, I publishing has changed a lot since two thousand four since I since I wrote that book in the first place. So I was I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to get get this new edition out to a new generation of writers. Well, uh, before I wrap this up, okay, I'm going to take a, a little side road here because <laughs> I'm genuinely curious about this. So I am uh, speaking with actually a, a ghostwriting client who wants me to update uh, a book that they came out with about 15 years ago. And we were talking about kind of what to call this book. Um, in your experience in the publishing world, since this is a um, uh, another edition of, of your book, how do publishers determine whether to call a book a second edition, an updated edition, a revised edition, expanded, whatever it might be? Is there any kind of, of system that publishers go through to determine what to actually refer to another edition of the book as? Uh, yeah, I think it would. Uh, one of the one of the keys would be what kind of sales record that first book had. So oh, that's good. If it, if it didn't have a, a good track record at all, then I think your options are more wide open. You could you could retitle it, put a new cover on it. It could be a like come out like a brand new book. Okay. Uh, my book proposals that sell has has been out since 2005. I have over you know 130 five star reviews for the book. It's a uh, sort of an established brand, is what I'd say. That's why why we made it a revised edition. Okay. Okay. So revised the language of revised uh, does that psychologically connect with people in a different way than saying something is updated or a second edition? Like there's something about saying revised that psychologically and marketing wise is is better than other terms. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I mean, I my subtitle is uh, 21 Secrets to Speed Your Success. And for example, in my in my first edition, one of my secrets was uh, always include an SASE. Mm. That's a self-addressed stamped envelope. Back then, we did nothing electronically. You had to mail it, physically mail it to the publisher. And to get a response, because no publisher is going to invest thousands of dollars returning submissions, you had to put an SASE in there. Well, in today's world, uh, we submit everything electronically, but you have to have permission from that editor in order to actually send something as an attachment because okay. you know, attachments have viruses and bugs and all kinds right. of things that are there to them. So you don't just click idly click things out there unless you have permission from that person to that they've, they've had, they've gotten your permission to send it to you. So that's that whole chapter you can imagine got completely reworked. In my, right. In my, I can imagine. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I, I was genuinely curious about that. So, and you are the man when it comes to this stuff. So I appreciate your insights. Well, Terry, this has been an absolute blast and uh, I appreciate making time to be on the show today. And I would love to have you back sometime and we'll continue the conversation around related topics with books and proposals and marketing and publishing and all the million topics that we're so into as authors. So I appreciate this. Fantastic, Ken. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, anything I can do to help you, just just let me know. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I learned a ton in this episode, as I always do, because I love to have awesome guests and I always uh, learn from them. 
you know, sometimes I tell people that the only reason I do a podcast is to get free coaching from people. And I'm being a little facetious with that statement, but it's kind of true because I love to have guests who know a lot more than I do, and I can learn a ton from them. And this is certainly one of those conversations. I would say my biggest takeaway from today's conversation with Terry is we've got to think like a business person if we're writers. A lot of writers just kind of, they just kind of float through life a little bit and they just think in terms of expressing their creativity and maybe they'll write a book someday and maybe they won't and maybe someday I'll magically get a publishing deal or something like that. But the truth is that you have to think like a business person. You need to think strategically. You need to think about your goals. You need to think about how you can craft books that appeal to readers. You need to think about your marketing. And I know for a lot of writers, that stuff does not sound pleasant because they just want to do the creative part. But I also want you to consider this, that thinking like a business person is creative. I mean, my goodness, think about all the products that you use in your everyday life. Uh, right in front of me is a, is a huge, uh, a huge flat screen TV I'm using for my computer monitor. I've got some cool computer speakers. I've got a um, MacBook Pro I bought earlier this year. That's one of the M1 chip models. Those are These are all creative products, but they were also products that were designed with business decisions in mind. They were designed to appeal to consumers like me and like you. And just like all the stuff that we buy in our everyday lives, all the products that we buy, we have to think about our books in a business sense as well. So I hope that this conversation helps you to think about how you can position your book, about how you can write a proposal that doesn't just describe what your book is, but that actually sells your book even if you're a self-published author. Again, I cannot stress enough, this is a vital process that you go through. So I want to encourage you not just to take Terry's advice, but to also get his book, which again is called Book Proposals That Sell. It's great. It's a, it's a quick read. It's not a super long book, but it is absolutely packed with tons of good in, info on uh, creating a book proposal that sells. And by the way, as I mentioned at the beginning, you can get his free book proposal checklist at bookproposalsthatsell.com. Well, I want to give a big shout out to Terry for taking the time to be a guest on this episode. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I want to take a moment to let you know about our daily writer membership community. You know, one of the very best ways to develop better habits and impact more people's lives with your writing is to spend time around other successful writers. So if you're tired of feeling isolated and chasing success on your own, then I know you're going to love the Daily Writer community. For years, I searched for the kind of writing community that I would want to join, but I could never find what I wanted, so I created my own. Some of the features include weekly writing sprints, monthly community calls, book discussions, calls with guest experts, and much more. For more info, you can visit dailywriterlife.com community. Thanks, and I'll see you tomorrow.